0: Welcome to the podcast of Central Church. This is our latest weekly message. So we are, we're, we're in the middle of um, looking at the story of Zacchaeus. And last week Oren gave us a bit of um, historical context and the context of Middle East and Palestine and, and what would have been the reality of some of that story. And tonight what we're going to do is we're actually going to look at the story of of Zacchaeus through a 12 step recovery lens. Um, so when we are, you know, really wrestling and choosing our t- texts that we're going to, to read through this year and the story of Zacchaeus came up, I was—I have always been really struck by the similarities between Zacchaeus's response to the grace, acceptance and hospitality of Jesus and the some of the steps in the the 12-step recovery program which in my experience of encountering different people who are engaged in all manner of 12-step recovery programs, it's an incredible path of discipleship that sees people being set free. Um, from any number of addictions, and, it, and when you read through the steps, which I've actually, I've gone up there, you read through the steps of any, these are probably quite generic, there's a few nuances depending on what it is, but they're incredible steps of surrender, of following, of becoming free, um, they're steps of humility, and they're brilliant, and in particular, um, step eight and step nine have to do with making amends to people that in your um, behavior, whatever that is, you have harmed. And so, step eight here reads Make a list of all persons we had harm and become willing to make amends to them all. Step nine is to make direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would actually injure them or others even further. And then step ten is really about keeping short accounts. So, being aware of those people in life that we we may harm on any, any given basis, and then you know keeping short accounts, and making sure we make amends. So it's really quite an incredible thing. And as you read the story of Zacchaeus, you see this spontaneous um, overflow of him making amends to the people he's really harmed. And I wanted us to. To read the story through the lens of 12-step recovery. And so um, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna, Luke, I'm gonna get you to read out the story of Zacchaeus so we're familiar with it. And then um, about a month ago, because I had a Zoom call with Brad Jerzak, who spends a lot of time himself in 12-step recovery programs and also being with other people through 12-step recovery. And I asked him to give us a reading of Zacchaeus. Through the lens of the 12-step recovery and so and i recorded it so hopefully the video will work sweet so we have um international speaker tonight brad jerzak and then actually then i'm going to um, chat with danny and rose about their experience in 12-step recovery programs so that's what we're going to do tonight so luke you can start us off by reading
1: as jesus was passing through jericho a man named zacchaeus one of the most influential Jews in the Roman tax collecting business and of course a very rich man, tried to get a look at Jesus but he was too short to see over the crowds. So he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree beside the road to watch from there. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down for I am going to be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus hurriedly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the crowds were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, Sir, from now on, I will give half my wealth to the poor. And if I find I have overcharged anyone on their taxes, I will penalize myself for giving them back, by giving them back four times as much. Jesus told him, "This shows that salvation has come to this home today. This man was one of the lost sons of Abraham, and I, the Messiah, have come to search for and to save such souls as his."
2: Zacchaeus' story it uh, provides us with an excellent demonstration of how grace transforms the heart and the life of a lost and alienated human being. Uh, The tax collector and the shepherd engage in a mutual act of hospitality. And I see that described in Revelation 3. Behold, I stand at the door, knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will enter and have supper with them and they with me. And so it was for Zacchaeus. God's grace filled his deepest longing And out of Zacchaeus' newfound sense of belonging, he was saved from alienation to communion. Christ in his home, Christ in his heart, the living connection that changes us. In Zacchaeus' case, the natural overflow of his encounter with Jesus resulted in a tangible response. He became a willing participant in his freedom and salvation, prompted by the Spirit to make amends. In 12-step recovery, making amends refers to personally addressing issues with people who've been harmed by our behavior or by our treatment of them. And Zacchaeus had done great harm in his community. His complicity with Rome as a collections agent for the empire was a great betrayal of his own people. Indeed, he was their enemy in ways that Rome could not be. I want to describe that for a moment um, because it's going to Be specific to why his demands are so drastic. So here's a little paragraph from Howard Thurman in his book Jesus and the disenfranchised. He's talked about Rome already and then he says the second kind of enemy comprises those persons who by their activities make it difficult for the group to live without shame and humiliation. It does not require much imagination to assume that the sensitive son of Israel the tax gatherers uh, were in that class. It was they who became the grasping hand of Roman authority, filching from Israel the taxes which helped keep alive the oppression of the Gentile ruler. They were Israelites who understood the psychology of their own people and therefore were always able to function with a kind of spiritual ruthlessness that would have been impossible for those who didn't know the people intimately. They were despised, they were outcast, because from the inside... They had unlocked the door to the enemy. The situation was all the more difficult to bear because the tax collectors tended to be prosperous in contrast with the the rest of the people. To be required to love such a person was the final insult. How could such a demand be made? One did not even associate with such creatures. To be seen in their company meant a complete loss of status and a respect in the community. The tax gatherer had no soul. He had long since lost it. When Jesus became a friend to the tax collectors, it was a spiritual triumph of such staggering proportions that after 1900 years, it defies rational explanation. So says Howard Thurman. So I want to say it this way, as alarming as Jesus' overture friendship would have been to his disciples and to his opponents and to Zacchaeus' victims, no one was as staggered as the tax man himself. As Paul would say, the kindness of God leads to repentance, defined not as self-loathing or even as a mere change of mind, but a reorientation of Zacchaeus' life, conversion from self-centeredness to the real-life expression of other-centered love. And this is where Zacchaeus amends and ours come in. Zacchaeus' amends were substantial since he lays them out before Jesus, let's call his intentions A proposal. So first, he assesses his wealth in relation to the poverty he had been complicit in creating. He decides to make an amends to his community by giving half his possessions to the poor. Uh, This reminds me of a friend of mine who had a habit of stealing from the church where she volunteered in order to pilfer money for her addiction. Years later, she needed to make amends. Uh, to the church in general, not because they needed her money or would repay individual donors, but as a way for her to participate in her grace transformation. So first she apologized to someone in authority, and then they worked out a plan for her to make restitution, uh, whether by service or repayment. So that was sort of a, a general amends to a particular group, and she found a way to do that. And that's what Zacchaeus is doing by giving to the poor in general. But also, with what remained of his wealth, so half his money's gone, Zacchaeus identified specific people that he had extorted. And he didn't simply say, sorry, folks, I really messed up, but I've cleared it up with Jesus, and I'm forgiven now. So we're all good now, right? Uh, No, he actually identified who he'd extorted. He calculated how much he squeezed from each of them, and then he repays them and adds 400% interest. Why so much? Uh, I was thinking about this carefully today and I came up with two reasons. Um, First, Zacchaeus sees that the harm he caused exceeded the cash he had taken. The cost of his sin to those who'd robbed him had compounded now. What had they lost in potential income, time lost, additional hardships, emotional impact. It's sort of like someone who goes uh, drunk driving, and they break the law speeding, but then they end up crashing and putting somebody in a wheelchair for life. So what would amends look like to someone like that? Um, Rarely do we see people make that level of amends amends outside of a civil lawsuit, but Zacchaeus did. and, And why? Without even being sued, what's with the 400 interest. Maybe he saw the damage was much more than just what he stole, but I think there's something else. Uh, his second reason for generosity. The law might demand proportional amends. Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, dollar for a dollar, but grace motivates us to pay forward the generosity we received. So Zacchaeus' calculus goes beyond the harm he caused to others He's now adding in how much more grace he had first received. The 400% was measured by the superabundant mercies that he experienced through Jesus. Um, so out of this, I want to just share some principles around amends connected to Zacchaeus. So uh, first principle, amends demonstrate that we own what we've done. No blaming, no sidestepping. Yes, there's reasons for our misdeeds. We have a long story of why we came to that point. But if we share that stuff during an amends, you know, what? it it comes across like excuses, comes across like justifications. Zacchaeus skips all of that. He doesn't say, oh, I'm just doing my job, or the Romans made me do it, or, you know, I I hate being short and I've overcompensated. No, no, he just names his sin extortion. Instead, he just says, I did this. I did it to you. That was wrong. So amends are strictly about cleaning up my side of the street, even if those we wronged have also wronged us. It's not about them. It's about what we did. Uh, Second principle. It demonstrates that we recognize the harm we caused. So the first is seeing the sin I did. The second is the harm we caused. So now it's focused on the other person. And this should include listening to them. How, the, how we've harmed them, um, that we might to have to hear what they've experienced. And so maybe Zacchaeus knew that he had extorted someone and impacted their financial stability, but he might need to hear an impact statement of how his actions also maybe humiliated them or created hardship he didn't even know about for their family. Or introduced fear and hatred into their hearts, maybe they're suffering PTSD and maybe their kid didn't get to go to school this fall. So he he demonstrates not only that he knows what he's done, but also the harm he's caused third principle. This is so important and, it, and it's almost a, a an instinct we have, but we've got to resist it a man's are not about extracting forgiveness from the other so that we can feel better. I know we carry a big burden of guilt, but if we go to an amends and we present it and we're hoping to get them to forgive us, that's still about us, it's still self-centered. And so the people we've hurt could be years away from healing that, that they would need to release us, if ever. They might never, we still do an amends. Those we harm have experienced broken trust and that may or may not ever be restored, but our amends need to be a unilateral expression of sorrow for the harm we caused, period, not contingent on any response, not dependent on getting forgiveness out of this amends, uh, not even with an expectation of reconciliation. We could hope for that. But we must not use our amends with those expectations. Otherwise, you know what? We're still guilty of manipulation. And I think that's why it's good to submit our amends as a proposal like Zacchaeus does to Jesus. I submit my amends to a sponsor before delivering them. Why? Uh, Because I need a sponsor to look through and examine what I'm going to say and share carefully for ways that I've justified myself, minimized what I've done, or am I manipulating them into uh, what I want them to do in response. You know, ju- just this morning, uh, Eden and I heard a lawmaker who was expected to apologize for a public racist slur directed at a colleague. It was, it was just horrible. There was blame shifting, self-justifying, both sides-ism, And that horrid phrase, if I've offended anyone, he needs a course in amends 101 and a chat with Zacchaeus, because that is not what you do. So Zacchaeus presents his amends to Jesus, and Jesus' response shows that he approved of it. And then finally, uh, amends are lived, not only spoken. Uh, Yes, we speak them when we can directly but sometimes sorry doesn't help. (laughs) And even a paycheck, let's say, um, well, I'm not only going to say sorry, I'm going to pay for your counseling for the harm I caused. You know what? Uh, That's good, but it can also come off as a payoff. Maybe you've fallen a thousand times and any amends you do is going to lack credibility. No matter as Zacchaeus continues to be faithful, perhaps, his his sincerity will prove itself. Uh, Luke must have thought thought so because he not only tells the story, but he names his name. He probably became part of the community that was restored. And so for Zacchaeus and for us, specific words and acts of restitution, repentance and amends are a new way to live every day. While we make direct amends with words or in print, Those amends are events inside a new life empowered by grace and a grateful response to God's mercy. So uh, Zacchaeus' amends amends were a real demonstration of the interchange that was occurring, that grace had produced a new man that he was becoming. Uh, So just to sum up, Zacchaeus' story, uh, it challenges us to undergo the impact of the gospel in our lives. Salvation is more than a personal feel-good event. Jesus invites us to living communion that generates radical transformation. In this courageously and joyfully making and living his amends, uh, so can we. And so that's all I have to say about that. Thanks, Carolyn. So
0: good. That's that's really good. I'm going to work out if I can... Change the view. I don't know. I don't know how to do that. Oh, there we go. Yeah, that was great. Thanks, Brad. Um, so you've obviously experienced this in your life.
2: Oh yeah. Um. And in fact, the thing that was horrible for me, doing step eight and step nine, you hear about people going and doing the, their amends and how well it goes, um, and and how a huge burden came off them and how the other person responded so well and 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 that was meant to motivate us to go make our amends too but you see the motivation then is an outcome yeah and that has not been my experience i have i have had to do amends for people who are not i not only harm them they're still harmed and not only did they not forgive me they may never and it was but you still have to do it um and and you it's important for them it's important for you but it's it so what's motivating this? A possible outcome? No, what motivates us is that God is God's grace has been shown to us, and in, in the incredible mercy that is generating, generating transformation, uh, I think, is, is then from there flows the amends, even if it's with a measure of terror.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's such an interesting story. This the story of Zacchaeus. When I think about it, I think it um oh, it really challenges me around what does it mean to experience salvation? You know, like in our culture, so much of that is personal and private. Like now I might have changed my thinking or my my adherence to something. But in the story of Zacchaeus, we get this radical behavior. And yet to refocus on the behavior and say, oh, okay, to experience salvation is to do these behaviors is just to take us back into some kind of law-based requirements. Like I wonder what it would look like for each one of us to actually have an encounter with the grace of Jesus so much that doing this is not a task or a chore or anything other than the overflow of that, you know, experience in our lives.
2: Yeah, I, we got so worried about, about w- rightfully so, we got worried about works righteousness as if it's a vending machine, right? Yeah. So I do my amends so that. There's the problem, right? But at the same time, um, we are participating in the grace of God. And I was, you know, even it's, we love, I used to think the first John said this, we love him. Because he first loved us, I'm pretty sure that's how I memorized it as a child. That's, that's actually not what John says. We love period, because he first loved us. And so a, a mans is an expression of love that that was uh, generated because God, God befriended us first. Zacchaeus didn't do a thing um, for Jesus to to pour such grace on him, except that Jesus saw, his desire, I guess, and that counts, but his desire didn't pay for it. <laughs> it. It just was a place for the living water to flow into. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. Thanks so much, Brad. Um, I want to talk to these two ladies because they've been involved in 12, 12 step recovery groups and, um, I really, I guess, I'll sit down. When I when I think about reading the story of Zacchaeus through the lens of twelve step recovery, I feel like it's um, it's an important challenge for us in our context. I mean, maybe maybe this has always been the case, but I think more and more in our political context, in our cultural context, we see what Brad was talking about in that very brief example. We see blame shifting. We see people unable to take responsibility for the harm they've done. Um, We see a lack of credible reconciliation for past wrongs. Um, And we see these things culturally and on a societal level. But I also think that some of that in some ways trickles down to the challenge that all of us have in our own personal hearts and lives, which is to to take responsibility for harm done by us in our lives towards other people, whether that's unintentional or at times just the overflow of our own brokenness. Like um, Richard Raw is famous for saying, any pain we don't transform in our own lives, we inevitably transmit to the people around us. That's doing harm, whether we are intending it to or not. And I think there's something radical about this story of Zacchaeus where he's caused a lot of harm um, intentionally to people around him in his community and he takes responsibility for it and he owns it and then he makes amends. And it's a radical picture of salvation and I'm often struck by there's lots of stories of salvation in scripture but we tend to like the ones that don't cost very much. So we'll often talk about being a born-again Christian Have you heard, you know, we're a born-again Christian? Because one time Jesus had this conversation with a dude named Nicodemus and he used the born-again language. Um, But we never call ourselves a payback four times Christian. Um, But Jesus one time had a conversation with a man named Zacchaeus and salvation overflowed in giving half of what he owned to the poor. Did you know what I mean? Like it's a funny way that we kind of navigate these things. But I think it's a challenge for us actually to to just see this story and to to acknowledge that just in life being human with our like ragged edges we bump and bruise one another but we can own it and live it and make amends and let the grace of God encounter us in a way that overflows to everyone else and i think it's it's wonderful so hi danny hi rose how are you <laughs> so both of these women are involved in 12 step recovery groups and so you have lived these 12 steps. And so I, um, I want to start, I'm gonna, I gave them some questions, but I, we'll probably flip around a bit. So I'm going to finish with the last question that you suggested, Danny, which was, do you want to share with us what you believe the power of making amends is? Either one, you know, what's the power of making amends? Have I totally stuffed you up by rearranging things?
3: Yeah, like Brad said, it just um, forced me really to be humble and smashed my ego. Um, It really put me in right relationship and standing with God and everyone who I had hurt. Um, So it's just its an overflow. There's so many things that it's done. Um, So... I can't really say which program I'm part of because that's just the way it is. <laughs> but um, basically, it's um, I had a spiritual—I have—I had a spiritual malady and um, an unmanageable life at one stage, and so I had lots of trouble with personal relationships. Um, I couldn't really control my emotions very well. I just ended up crying all the time at the end of this thing I had. Um, I'm, I was feeling depressed. I couldn't, um, I felt really useless and hopeless. I was full of fear, unhappy, and I couldn't really feel like I could be of any help to anyone, which was unlike the real me. Um, and now, since doing this recovery program, particularly looking at my defects and amends, making amends. Um, I just had a really release of God. Just gave me this a massive amount of peace and freedom, so I was free from all of those mistakes. I can't take them back, but I no longer had remorse and regret about them, and shame, particularly I, like that went. Thank God. Um, I um, I could now I can see how. Out of this experience, no matter like I fell a certain far a certain way down, and but now I can see how all that stuff now benefits other people in the recovery program and other people out of the recovery program that might come into it one day. Um, uh, the feeling of uselessness and self pity disappeared. I this is a really big one for me. It's still progressing, but I lost as Brad said. Um, There's a lot of selfishness in me because of the way I'm made and it's starting to go... Selfishness and control. Uh, It's starting to go from me and I can therefore gain interest in other people. So it's gone from selfish to being really other-centred like Brad mentioned in so many ways and I've still got a long way to go, (laughs) but I've started. Um, Self-seeking, this is similar, self-seeking slips away. Um, my whole attitude and outlook upon life's changed so it can, can't it, because I'm losing that self-centeredness so I can automatically think out, outside of me, which is a new thing. Fear of people, this is supposed to be a blessing, fear of people and economic insecurity leaves us. Well I didn't really have fear of economic security because I had a lot of cushions around me because I've come from wealth. but. I do, did and still do have fear of people so that one's still in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can handle situations that used to confuse me a lot. Yeah, so I can just discern better, thank you God, <laughs> to um, how to handle different situations and people, places and things. Yeah,
0: that's That's amazing. About it. Really. What about yeah, you, Rose? Um, What's been the power of it in your life?
4: Oh, I think um, overall,
0: can you hear me? Is this on? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah,
4: yeah. Um, I think when I wrote my um, answer to that question down, I think there was the two sides, like the power of the um, on the person that you're making, that's you're making the amends with, and the power and the benefits for the person that's trying to make the amends. And to be honest, I, I had um, the benefits for me seemed to be far greater than the benefits for the pe- for the people that I was making the amends with. So, for example, some of the benefits that I found were, was that I got a greater knowledge of myself. Um, I also, I was very humbled by it. It's a very humbling experience and it's, a, it's an experience where you have to be brutally, fearlessly honest and dig deep for that honesty, you know, to, to go there. So, I, beha- I think I, um, my, my relationship with God Also took a completely different um, shift because I had to trust him and um, not be afraid to do it because you know fear can be another one of those things that can grab hold of you. I feel that um, I became more of the authentic Rose um, as I've gone through the 12 steps and in the world that I know you know it's not a lot of authenticness out there. You know, not really, you know, there's a lot of um, other stuff. Um, also, um, it's suggested in the literature for 12-step program is that um, often people, when they go through these steps, um, can have a spiritual awakening um, at some point. There's no particular step, it doesn't have to be step 12, it can be, you know, it could be, you could be on step one. Um, and the other thing that's really powerful about making amends is, once you've made amends, and and um, uh, you know done it as thoroughly and as carefully and taken enough time to do it, well then you yourself, I was able to move on in my life, you know, and and knowing that I'd done the right not not done the right thing, but I'd that I'd I. I was given this newfound freedom, Um, I was more authentic, I was more real, I wasn't as shallow, I knew my purpose, the peace that I was getting which I never had, I never had peace here and sometimes I have peace here and in the most simplest things now and then I think, oh, I'm having some peace right now, (laughs) you know, like that, like I could just be walking the the dog down the road. You know, in a filthy, dirty road or something, and I'll, and I'll actually think, oh, you know, and, and I love that. you know, I love that about the 12-step program. So the 12-step program has made a big difference for me. I just, just wanted to share, um, I've, I've had to write them down, but basically some of the examples of things that we do, that um, classic examples of things that we do without thinking and we just don't think too much more about them is that examples of uh, our character defects could be that we hold grudges. Um, we're jealous. We are ang- we have an anger problem or can be intolerant. Um, we can be excluded. We can exclude people from our lives. Um, we can avoid people. We can be impatient, um, revengeful, um, gossip, envy. Um, dishonest and devalue other people. They're some of the ones that just came to me when I was writing up this. And also, um, we can feel superior to people, like if you're in a shopping line at the supermarket and you're stamping your foot and you go, please hurry up, you know, but really, it's the type of superiority that we're, we're doing. But we can also see the flip side of that is that there's inferiority as well. So often you have one and you have the other they both go together a little bit, you know, so you can be inferior or, or have an inferiority complex, but you can also have a superiority <laughs> complex, you know what I mean yeah so um, so for me, in my uh, experience with doing the steps, I um, as an example, I, I think that I was very judgmental, um, I was critical of my friends, some of them, and, and I think that I did. Um, devalue their friendship, and I lent on them very heavily, and and so that's an example of a, a, a amends that I made to some friends. Um, but now, uh, but and and we do have to keep revisiting it because new things come up, and I have a very difficult amends that's come up in the last three weeks, which I didn't even know that I it's not even anywhere in my sphere um, and it's to do with my daughter and she might not even think anything of it but I've realized something that I'm going to have to to bring up with her at the right time and um, and I know it will be hard but I know it will be worth it um, yeah
0: That's great. Mm. what about you Danny do you have an example for us of a really difficult amends that you had to make yeah
3: <laughs> an amend amends to my mum um, so I started with a lot of a lot of prayer for a long time before I did it and I spoke to my sponsor as well and I needed a lot of outside help from her and God of course to know how to handle it Because mainly I because I was really angry at her because she harmed me So, all I could, as Brad said, uh, the job in amends is to look at my, sweep my side of the street. So, therefore, I had to dig deep to find out what harm I could have possibly done to her because, you know, of course it was all the other way around in my head. Um, So there's. I did what's called the ninth step prayer in this program I follow. So it went something like this. Jesus, as I make amends to mum, give me strength, courage and direction to do and say the right thing no matter what the personal consequences are. Help me not to shrink from anything. Help me not to delay. Help me to be sensible, tactful, considerate and humble without bowing and scraping. Put in me patience, tolerance, kindness and love for mum. Save me from blame, criticism, argument and details. And I really meditated on the definition of tolerance as in um, having an open mind and positive effort to understand someone's beliefs mums beliefs practices and habits without sharing them because of course i didn't share i don't share them um and i did a fourth step prayer about freedom from bondage Um, and i prayed this daily it says for two weeks i prayed it for a lot longer um, I have a resentment to Mum that I want to be free of, so I ask you, God, to give me everything I want for myself, to my mother, uh, health, prosperity, and happiness. Other stuff. Help me to feel compassionate, understanding, and love for Mum. I pray that she receives everything she needs. Thank you, Jesus, for your help and strength with this resentment. And a harms prayer. Remove my habit to gossip and slander Mum, which was a big habit. Help me to speak. It's still a big habit. Help me to speak well of her or keep quiet. Prompt me to ask myself, would I say that to her face? Give me sane thinking and strength to say the right thing. Uh, Then I approached mum and asked her for a little time to talk and went and saw her. Um, I said that, um, just briefly, I regret some things I've said to you and done to you in the past. They weren't that great and I'd like to make amends for them. Um, so the on the day, I just was really pretty factual, and it was basically about how I was selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and fearful, and how this harmed her. Um, so this all happened in my childhood. These harms that she did to me. So it's backtracking over that time. Uh, but how was I selfish when I was young? I didn't accept everything you did as my mum because I thought I knew better though I didn't. I thought only about my viewpoint and I dis- as I got older, so 19, 18, uh, I disappeared and didn't contact you, which probably caused you to worry. How was I dishonest? I didn't tell you how I felt. I was deluded, very deluded, thinking everything was your fault. I didn't see my part. A big part of my defects, like um, Rose mentioned some of hers, was is delusion. Um, I was deluded expecting you to become someone different. And I spent a lot of time with my sponsor and with God in prayer after that, trying to see how, um, um, how to see it differently, how to put myself in her shoes. And really what my sponsor said was, have you ever considered that your mother did the best she could at the time with parenting because that was my main gripe Um, she parented you the best way she could with the tools she had at the time and I really when I prayed had not thought that and had really struggled to think that and then God just let me think it I was just (laughs) sitting in the car park in McDonald's Albany Park Mm -hmm. and just deposited (laughs) it in me so um, uh, that's God's grace isn't it uh, then self-seeking was another area. I, I said to mum, I argued, did a lot of arguing, yelling and withdrawing, putting up walls, reducing the relationship um, because I wanted to get my own way, which is a great trait of the disease I've got. Um, so I yeah, put up walls, I still put up walls, but now they're healthy. Uh, so yeah, I apologised and, and for that. And then how was I fearful and how did that hurt Mum? Um, I was fear, really fearful of rejection because I just felt rejection, but I won't go into justifying, as <laughs> Brad mentioned. Um, I just feared rejection, being unloved and disapproved of. I was scared that I wasn't good enough to you, um, so I hid behind these walls or I rebelled by arguing and moving out. I um, Then I prayed and before I made this amend, I prayed a lot against judgment to stop me being so judgmental, to give me that tolerance, that broad-mindedness about how the, you know she just is completely different to me, and things completely different, and parents different. Um, I then asked, as Reg mentioned, a big thing is to see what they think is there is that other things that they think are things I need to amend for, other harms I've done. So I asked her, is there anything else that I've done wrong and what can I do to make it right? And um, mainly it's been, as Brad mentioned, living amends. So trying to change the way I am, my behaviour towards her, put up less walls, or do so with respect. Like, And i put them up now when to stop any more harm happening to me. Um, otherwise, I need to let go and love and have compassion, which is God's just helping me to have a lot more compassion and less judgment. Yeah, so.
0: That sounds, that's, I mean, can you, it sounds full on, doesn't it? When you're listening to these stories, and I I think one of the marks of, so, like, the people, like like women like yourself, so other people I talk to in the, 12-step recovery programs, when I've had conversations with Brad about this, there is such a humility that comes in you when you have to recognize that you have a problem, whatever that problem is. If you have an addiction, whatever that addiction is, it's a huge amount of humility that has to be present in your life in order for you to admit and then the journey that you go on on these tw- on, uh, through the 12 steps is one of just increasing surrender, mm. increasing trust, increasing like seeking healing, receiving healing, making amends. Is, and, it, and it all involves a willingness and, and a radical courage and humility to, to look at yourself and the things that you've done and, and own them. And I think it's an incredible thing to do, an incredible thing that can only overflow out of the grace and acceptance and kindness and love of God in our lives.
3: Do you wanna say something, Danny? Just that, that you you repeated sort of what Brad said. The um, only reason that I am recovered and that I do this whole 12-step program is through the grace of God, Healing me in the first place, mm. like he healed me of my disease, just like that, <laughs> um, over a weekend, and that's just when I, if I find it a struggle to make amends, I, all I've got to think about is what he's done for me, and it's not hard to make amends. I mean, it might be in the moment, but it's that's the complete motivation, mm. like just there.
0: Mm. That's great, Rose. Do you want to add anything as you've been um, thinking and listening?
4: No, I just um, probably just agree with what Dan just said, that, um, you know, what I've received back, you know, and and, um, and who I am now and, you know, and what I could have been now, um, mm-hmm. are so uh, different poles. So, you know, where I didn't have a life um, and was... Yeah, look, I... I To be honest, it's four years now since I've been doing the 12 steps and I do visit them a lot and I do go to meetings but, um, you know, when I look back and think four years ago where I was and what I was doing um, and then to have thought that I would be sitting in a hall today talking about um, the program and how my life has dramatically changed. Um, And what God's done in it, Mm. you know, just, you know, um, he's really just picked me out of the pit Mm. of hell, you know. And little by little, I've been restored to sanity because when you're in that kind of, before you get into the program, you know, your thoughts are very different, so your thinking's different. And um, when you get into a 12-step program, if... Know, if you've got an addiction, or not just addictions, but other things as well, well, you learn um, about how um, you know you you learn that the the disease that you have does affect your thinking, and so you learn to think think a new way and more normally, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, yeah, so that that that's a part of it as well. But no, that would be all. I'd suggest. Yeah, <laughs>
0: Well I wanna thank you both for for sharing with us and sharing some of your story. And I know both these women are really open. If you wanna have further conversations with them about their story, about their what God's done in their life, how they've grown and changed, and have a conversation with them that's really, really quite wonderful. So thank you for being vulnerable with us tonight. Um I've been th- thinking about this um, tonight, and been reading the Zacchaeus story. Been been thinking about the radical amends that Zacchaeus made out of the overflow of God's acceptance, grace, and hospitality. And in in just thinking about that, and and you know, talking with Danny and with Rose, I've been reflecting on my own life just naturally about. Um, you know, and, and then kind of coming before God with with the gentleness of the Holy Spirit and saying, you know, Holy Spirit, is there is there anyone in my life that I might need to make amends to? Um, because I just out of that acknowledgement of our own humanity, that we're all jagged and we're all broken in different ways. And as we relate to one another and we do life together, inevitably sometimes we do bruise and harm one another and I think it's it's far easier to sweep that stuff under the rug and just move on with life and not acknowledge it or admit it or talk about it. It takes kind of a robust courage and a decent amount of humility to to ask God if there's anything that we need to do to make amends but I have been thinking about it and I actually was um, one, of, one of the things that came to mind to me was um, was something actually from probably like 25 years ago when I first moved down to Wollongong and I had a high school friend move down with me. And if you were to, you know, I, I, back when I was 17, 18, I was just one of those, you know, passionate black and white Christians. You know the type. Um, you were probably like that too. Maybe... We all still are in some ways. But I was really passionate and saw things very black and white and things were like just right or wrong. And this friend of mine was making what I considered to be wrong choices. And I don't have any, you know, direct memory of me confronting her, you know, like, I think the decisions that you're making are wrong. Although maybe I did. I don't know. I can't remember. But I do remember the judgement of her in my own heart and I do actually think that that leaked out in lots of ways in my relationship with her and I really haven't been in relationship with her for like 24 years, a very long time but she came to mind as I was thinking about this story, as I was bringing my my heart and my life before God and I have since been having a conversation with God around what might it look like for me to make amends to this girl? What might it look like? for? Maybe it's appropriate, maybe it's not. I haven't landed on anything yet. I'm trusting God to lead me. But I do feel like I don't know where she's at. I don't know how much my judgmental Christianity has affected her view of God. And I I was just young and passionate and a little bit naive. I, I didn't mean to harm her, but I think that I probably did. And in light of the Zacchaeus story and his radical, you know, repentance, I just think, yeah, God, your grace in my life is so amazing. Like God hasn't judged me for all my stupidness. His invitation and acceptance has always been wide. And I'm sad for the times where I haven't modelled that to people around me. And I think there's an invitation in that for me to make some amends. At least to acknowledge it in my own life and to seek wisdom and just, just discernment from the Holy Spirit. Like is it, you know, there are ways I could contact her. There is ways I could say sorry for, for anything if I think that's appropriate. And so what I would like us to do just in closing tonight is actually Chris I might get you to come and just play the guitar just so there's some background noise but... <laughs> I I would like to give you the opportunity to actually just sit before God in stillness. And I would like you to ask the Holy Spirit to bring to mind anything or anyone where he might be inviting you to make amends. It could be something Recent, It could be something from a long time ago. I don't know how the Holy Spirit will speak to you. But I do think he does. I think our experiences with God are always overflowing with love and mercy and compassion. And we're always called to pass that on. We're not always good at it. Sometimes our own brokenness does affect others. And I think the invitation from Jesus is always... You know, will you pass on the grace I've given you? Um, do you trust me to, to be courageous enough to own your own mistakes and your own failings and to say sorry where it needs to be said? I think there is a beauty in the overflow of salvation looking like that in our lives, that we look and smell and feel like humble, um, forgiven forgivers, as we go about our lives. So I just want to give us some time to do that. Um, and I'm going to pray and then I'll, I'll just give us a moment or so and then I'll let you seek, seek the Holy Spirit in your own heart. Father God, I'm really grateful for this story of Zacchaeus in Scripture. I'm grateful that you give us a picture that even the worst of sinners are welcomed by you that even those who harm other people in hugely profound ways still get to eat with you dine with you share with you and God we all find ourselves somewhere on the spectrum of selfishness and greed of brokenness and pride and Holy Spirit we just want to open our hearts to you in humility and say search us search us O God see if there is any wicked way in us and make us clean God, if we have harmed someone in a particular way and it would be right to make amends to that person, God, would you just reveal them to us in our heart? Father God, we ask that you would help us to not live out of guilt or shame or regret. Help us not to transmit our own pain to those around us. Lord, help us to receive your grace, to receive your love and to allow that to overflow in our lives. God, if we need to make amends to anyone, would you give us the courage and the humility to do so? That we would embody your glorious salvation in our lives. We would pass on your goodness and your generosity to those around us. And we ask that you would help us in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to, um, there, there is wisdom in making amends and one of the things I think that's truly magnificent about 12-step recovery programs is that you have a sponsor that you process things with and it kind of is that short circuit between, oh I'm just going to go and make amends now and it's an unwise thing to do or it's unwise timing for either you or the person. And I think we need to acknowledge that in our faith, that I think a lot of the time we've had a faith that just sort of uh, demands forgiveness, demands reconciliation, demands a lot, and it's not always done with wisdom. And so I want to say to you that if you felt the Holy Spirit speak to you tonight about someone you need to make amends to, um, I think the next wise step is to share what you're sensing with someone who knows you and loves you and has the permission to say that's actually about you and not about the other person or has the, courage, the wisdom to walk alongside you as you go about doing that. Um, I think that's a good thing, that's where we are present and we're good for one another. So I want to just pop that in. That's one of the, that's one of the beauteous things of the 12-step recoveries. You're just not on your own, like figuring this all out as you go, but you've got support. And we often, I think, in the area of when we have been wounded and when we have wounded others, we need help. We need to not do this on our own. And so as you go forth into this week bearing the grace of God and sharing the grace of God. Do that with wisdom and with the support and encourage of the people around you. Amen. Well, that's Zacchaeus and 12-step recovery, radical amends. Thank you, Rose and Danny. I really appreciate that. Thanks for listening. If you want to check out more about Central, visit us at centralchurch.org.au. Music by Chris D'Souza beloved member of Central.